Uh, I want to begin with Hollywood. <laughs> and I know this isn't the right story, but I want to begin with a story that's universally known as the Exodus. How does it begin? Um, the Jewish people were enslaved. Um, God tells Moshe Rabbeinu, the burning bush, go to Pharaoh and tell him. Okay, okay here we go. Paro goes to, um, excuse me, God goes to Moshe, commands him to go to Paro to tell him, let my people go. What's Paro say? I will not let them go. <laughs> uh, Paro says no. God brings numerous plagues, one after the next. After ten plagues, what does Paro decide? He lets them go. And when Moshe says, let my people go, to go where? No, no, I want Hollywood. Don't come. I know, I know, I know the story's wrong. <laughs> I want to give with the story that everyone knows. We want to go free. We're slave people. We want to go free back to our homeland, to the promised land, to the land of Israel. Paro says no. After ten plagues, Paro finally says yes. And then, X amount of days later, or X amount of time later, what does Paro do? Changes his mind, even though he let them go. Tries to bring them back. And then he, uh, the rest we know, he gets, he gets wiped out in the Red Sea, and we have what to add to Pesuchet de Zimra. No. <laughs> no. Let's begin with what you all know is wrong with that story. Okay. Moshe goes to Paro and tells him, he'll never say, let my people go. Yeah. He says, we want to go three days in the desert to serve our God. And then Paro says no. And then Moshe brings ten plagues. Okay, that's the story we know. And um, is that the story that B'nai Israel know? No. no it's, B'nai Israel seem to know, because they read Chumash, that they're going to the promised land. But... I guess Moshe Rabbeinu assumes that Paro isn't so bright. And he tells Paro, we need to go three days in the desert to serve our God. Now, let's say Paro would say yes to that. What would happen next? We'd go exit stage right. We'd go, <laughs> we'd go out and I guess pull a fast one and then never come back. That seems to be the plan. Correct? Now, um, what's the big question that bothers everybody? Hey, there's two approaches. There's the, there's the ethical approach. What bothers the ethical Jew? Lies. Why should we lie? Right? That's half, maybe, maybe a quarter of the Jewish population. Okay. <laughs> what bothers, what bothers the realists? People will try to take the Bible literally. What's wrong with that? It doesn't, how are they going to get away with it? And, and why need to lie? It's not only a problem of the lie, but why would Paul believe him? Or put it this way, the way the Ebenezer asked, how can two million people keep a secret? <laughs> All the Jews in Israel are told we're going to the promised land. We'll see that inside in a minute. They're, Moshe is commanded to tell them God's coming to save you and keep his promise to the forefathers. How is it going to be that Paul's not going to find out? So that's problem number one. So if you don't care about realism in the Bible, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> and, uh, and you'd be in a different Yom Yun. <laughs> If you worry about the ethical side, right, why why need to lie? And worse than that, if he's going to say no anyhow, and later he's going to after ten plagues he'll say yes to anything, why lie when you don't need to? There's not a value in lying. It's not in that time period. Now, um, from what you remember, after the ten, every time we say let my people go and serve God in the desert. But what happened after the tenth plague? We'll take just a quick vote. After the tenth plague, when it's all over, okay, we're, we leave for good. When Paro kicks us out after the tenth plague. He kicks us out for good, doesn't want to see us again. 
You're all nodding. Okay? Who agrees with that? You're all nodding? Hey, listen, let me ask you again. Okay? <laughs> it's sort of a trick question. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that something everyone agrees with. After the 10th plague, we talk about it at the Seder, and Paul says, get out of my country. Don't want to see you again. He, he kicks us out for good and doesn't want to see us again. Right. Okay, I hear, I hear two different voices. Right? Half of you said, half of you said they're going out for good and don't want to see them again. And you're saying you read the Bible. Oh no, that's something else. <laughs> Remember, we'll get to three days in a minute. But some of you know that when Paul says, get out of my country, he doesn't say get out of my country for good. He doesn't give them freedom. Yeah. He gives them permission to go serve their God. Now, let me explain the title of what I want to do today. If this was a regular class, we could drag it out. But the problem in Mayun, some teachers take about a half hour to build up the questions, and then by the time they get to the main point, <laughs> they, uh, they sort of, they lose half of them. <laughs> or let last two minutes and they can't do it right. So let me just spill the beans, what I want to do. Um, what I want to explain today, I want to reread the story. The problem is we're so familiar with the story that we never read it in Chumash. I want to try to give an explanation, um, which may sound a little too realistic. I want to give an explanation. Why is there a need for this trickery? What's the logic behind it? What's there to gain? Uh, but the main thing I want to show you is the need for this sort of lie or game, whatever you want to call it, is not to trick Paro, but God has one major problem, a massive problem. How am I going to get two million Jews out of Egypt overnight? <laughs> Anyone who's studied Jewish history knows the problem. How do you get Jews out of the Lower East Side? How do you get them, I mean, before, how do you get them out of Eastern Europe? How do you take millions of Jews, at least hundreds of thousands, overnight out of Egypt without leaving slippers behind? And all at once. You know who's going to do the dirty work? Okay. The Egyptian people. <laughs> and God needs the Egyptian people to kick us out. Okay, now you know, that's the, now I have to prove it. <laughs> and that's what, what was the title? Is it an exodus or an, ex- was that the title? Yeah, expulsion or redemption? What I want to suggest, again, I'm spilling the beans before this year begins, but hopefully you'll stay awake now. What I want to show you is that not the only part, but a major element of God's master plan that even most Rabbeinu was not aware of until the very end is going to be, how am I going to get the nation of Israel out of Egypt overnight? Because God knows exactly who, who he's dealing with, as Moshe does. We'll see. <laughs> Remember, he doesn't want the job. He knows what he's dealing with. Now, um, we're going to begin with the sources inside. But again, what I want to show you in the share is I want to give a theory that will explain what was the reason for all this, all these, what's God's plan? One last analogy from football, because you're mostly um, of the USA background. Um, you have a quarterback and a head coach. Who's calling the game? You don't know football? Okay. <laughs> no. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get that in a minute. In, 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 um, in, Mahot, in the classes, because only an hour, uh, we said questions for the end. And what teachers do, they don't have enough time at the end, so they never have to get the questions. <laughs> um, the, um, there's a head coach and there's a quarterback. Now, usually the head coach has a game plan, and the quarterback gets to play, sort of play, he's got that little thing in his ear. Way back, he used to send in a tight end before there was electronics. Um, now, Sometimes the quarterback doesn't know what the game strategy is, but he only finds out play by play. I'll give you an example. Is Moshe Rabbeinu ever told at the burning bush how many plagues are going to be? Does God tell him what to do? 
God tells Moshe, go to Paro and tell him, take my people out of Egypt. What's Moshe say? How am I going to do it? What's God's answer? I'll be with you. <laughs> here's a beeper. <laughs> you know, the younger people don't know what a beeper is. Um, here's a, uh, here's a, here's a, here's a Bluetooth. <laughs> and I'm going to show you, give me a proof. I'll give you a proof. That Moshe doesn't know how many plagues are going to be. Because before the 10th plague, what does God tell Moshe? One more to go. Moshe doesn't know beforehand. About Kriyat Yamsuf, splitting of the sea, Moshe is totally caught by surprise. More than Paro is. We'll see that all inside. So let's begin. Uh, almost everything's on the source sheet. What I did really wasn't fair because we're not allowed to put Sukim on the source sheet because you're supposed to have a Tanakh. But usually not everyone brings. So the excuse is I have a couple highlights instead of using a board. So source A is going to be as follows. Listen carefully. Um, source A, as I want to show you the contradiction in Chumash. In chapter 3, in Paragimel, the story of the burning bush, Moshe Rabbeinu first finds out who God is, God introduces himself, and gives him his mission. And remember what God tells Moshe Rabbeinu? If you want to take a look at the Pesukim in Pasuk Zion, he tells him, I'm, I heard the cry of my people, therefore I'm coming down to take them out. And then in Pasuk Teddy says, I heard the cry of the people, and therefore you take them out. <laughs> and there's going to be a whole topic which is underlying the whole story, which makes it Tarhagada, who took us out of Egypt? Was it Moshe? Was it Paro? Or was it God? We'll see all three. Now, um, in the middle of um, God's revelation, he galut to Moshe Rabbeinu with the Sineh, he gives him his job. We'll start there with Pasuk Tedvav. God tells Moshe as follows, Lech Yisrael, go gather the elders of Israel and tell them, I'm going to take you out of your affliction in Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the land of the seven nations. I just brought that for one reason. God tells Moshe to tell the elders and the elders to tell the people, you're going to the promised land. And Moshe does it later on. I heard their cry, I'm taking out of the promised land. I'm taking them to the promised land. Now, did Amisel ever ask for that or not? From what you remember, did Benesel ever cry out to God? Yes. At the end of chapter 2, it's at the, right before the burning bush, that's the intro to the burning bush narrative. And what are we told? After many, many years of affliction, B'nai Yisrael cry out to who? It doesn't say there. In Devarim it says that. But in Shemot it says, B'nai Yisrael cry out. And who hears the cry of the afflicted? Hashem hears their cry. I'm not saying they didn't cry to God, but even if they didn't cry to God, because God hears the cry of the oppressed. That's one of the things of the Exodus. God hears the cry of the oppressed, and he remembers his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. And that's the background. What's important for me for this year is that people never cry to God, we want to go back to Israel. What's on their radar? Right? Not get us out of here. I want a lighter workload. Remember your kids in, in school? I don't want homework. I want, I want to go to school from 9 in the morning to noon and have sports the rest of the day. I don't want a double, I don't want a double load. I don't want homework. I don't want finals. Right? It's not on the radar they're not going to be in school. Understand my analogy? Right? On the radar is a lighter workload. That's about as far as they can see. They're not dreaming about redemption of a promised land. And maybe some of them might have heard about it. But it's a nation of slaves. It's, it's what's on the radar is a lighter workload. And that background explains the rest of Hunash and why it's such a tragedy. And why it's going to take another generation. It's going to take 40 years till they finally make it to Israel. Uh, even Moshe says, you'll see the writings on the wall of what's going to happen in Chumash. Now, let's get back to our topic. God tells Moshe, tell the elders, we're going to the promised land. 
In the next Pasuk, he tells him, take your elders with you. You go to Paro now with the elders and demand to give you the right to go a three-day distance into the desert to serve our God. Now, don't get mixed up. Three days is not time. Three days is distance. A ten-minute walk can take a half hour if you're on a date. And if, it, it can take a... It can take three minutes if you're running to catch a bus. Understand what I mean? But it's a distance. It's called a a three a day distance. Give me an example. I think when the mana fell or when the slav fell, how much did it cover? Kederach yom kol or kederach yom kol. Ring a bell, anybody? Um, when Yaakov was watching Laban sheep, how far of a distance did they put between them? By chance, derech shoshet yamim. That happens to be a proof of that it's a distance. It's also an important parallel, which is a totally different topic. Now, so he says, we need to go a three-day distance into the desert, which means how much time do we need? At least six days. Maybe if with women and children, it can take twice as long. But we need at least a week or two off to go into the desert to serve our God. Now, Rashbam asks the famous question, why is there need for a lie? And he gives a very good answer. He says as follows, the Rashbam in chapter 3, he says as follows. At first, you have to read him inside. It's amazing. He says, he rips apart everybody who explained anything beforehand, including his grandfather. He says, I'll tell you, because people before me didn't understand. It sounds like right out of, um, you know, Shurim and the Meyun. You know, someone comes up with something totally new that no one ever heard of before. That's how he begins his pirush. Uh, and then he says, um, what was God's plan? He says, Paro would never say yes to freedom. That's too much to ask for. He says, Paro, Moshe couldn't go and tell the truth because he would never say yes to that. What might he say yes to? He might say yes for something logical. Give us permission three days to go into the desert. A three day, you know, let us go serve our God. Maybe that he would say yes to. But what's the plan? Once we're in the desert, we won't come back. So he says, ah, is trickery okay? He says, he calls it der chokhmah. Why? Paul did it to us, we'll do it to him. That's his approach. Uh, he give, brings an example that God can do things like this. When God tells Shmuel to go and anoint King David, Right? What's Shmuel worried about? About his neck. Shmuel's going to find out and kill him. And what's God tell Shmuel to do? Make up a story that you have to bring a korban. He said, just like there, we can lie saying about bringing a korban, it's called a white lie, not a real lie. Because we do go to Har Sinai to go serve God. But it's not the whole truth. Now, that's the Rashbam's explanation. The problem with the Rashbam's explanation is the next line. Because if the whole reason we're doing this is for what? If the whole reason we're doing this is to convince Paro to let them go, look at the next line. Remember that phrase. God says, go tell this story to Paro. And what do I know? I know he's going to say no. In fact, I want him to say no. And certainly what won't he do? What's below biyat chazaka mean? You ever pay attention to that line? Because God's saying, I know that Paro's not going to let you go out of Egypt when you ask permission. And certainly, what won't he do? He won't kick you out. Because what does God want Paro to do? He wants us, he wants Paro to kick us out. We'll prove it to you in a minute. Now, how am I going to get Paro to kick you out? Then in the next line, I'm going to bring all my Makot in Egypt. And afterwards, he's going to kick you out. You can take a look at the end of chapter 3. And then what are you going to do? Make sure to borrow everything you need. We'll talk about the borrowing later. That's going to be a secondary thing we gain. Um, let me explain it now, in case we don't get to it. 
in addition to getting the Jews out of Egypt, God made a promise to Avram Avinu way back in Sefer Breshit that when you leave Egypt, you'll end up in the positive. You'll get Rechush Gadol. What's the best way to rob a bank? The best way to rob a bank is drive up with your car, um, have the manager take all the money from the safe, put it in your trunk, and you drive away. What's wrong with that plan? <laughs> it can happen. You know how? Convince the bank manager that if he doesn't do it, he's dead within 10 minutes. And his whole building will be blow up and nothing will be left of his workers. And if he's, if he's 100% convinced, especially if he's a non-Jew, <laughs> I just got to quit being anti-Semitic. Um, if he's convinced that he's going to die, if he, if he doesn't give over the money in the safe, he's going to die, and all of his work, the whole bank's going to go, he might not do it with a smile, but he'll do it. You follow? Because he's convinced. Especially if you think I'm coming back with it, then for sure he'll give it to you. Now, how are we going to convince the Egyptians to lend us their money if the Egyptian people are convinced that what? Not that we're coming back. That the reason we're going is to serve our God. And what will, what will, what will Egypt gain by our serving our God? That'll stop the plagues. Now, how am I going to convince Paro that the reason for the plagues is because we're not serving our God? It's called education. <laughs> step by step, inch by inch. And let's read it. Okay? In source B, the first time Moshe goes to Paro, listen carefully to what he says. Source B from Parakeh. This is the first time when Moshe actually goes to Paro and tells him the plan. Let my people go and celebrate for me in the desert. Paro says, never heard of this God. It's going to cost him. Um, then, then they try another angle. The God of the Hebrews um, happened upon us. And here's the punchline. Pen yifga'enu b'dever o becherev. Got it? What will happen if we don't serve our God? It's in your interest. Because what will happen if we don't serve our God? He's really hungry. And he gets really angry when he's hungry. And therefore, what might happen if we don't serve our God? We are going to get plagued. Who's we? Maybe your servants. We may be maybe all of us. Or maybe it might mean, what Rashi says, I think, Elashonikiyah means really you. <laughs> which is what happens. But some of them, I quote, hit everybody. Some of them are only... The Egyptians. What's the original warning? We need to serve our God for the good of the Egyptian people. Because if we don't serve our God, there'll be terrible plagues. Remember the phrase, You know this at the Seder, what do we say? We do all these trashot in our Amiya Who remembers it by heart? Biyad Chazaka is what? No, that's the second one. Look again. Rabbis know what they're doing. <laughs> you follow? That's exactly the drasha you say in the Haggadah. You didn't know where it came from. That's why. Then they bring psukim to prove it. But the source is from here. The psukim are just little add-ons that they're bringing down. You understand the plan? Now, what's Paul's immediate reaction to this? You have too much free time. Remember? And therefore, what happens? He doubles the workload. Now, does Moshe know it's going to get worse before it gets better? God never told him that the burning bush. He told him just, I have a beeper. Who gets really angry when Paro doubles the workload? The people, sure. And the people complain to who they should complain to? To Moshe Rabbeinu. What's Moshe tell them? He doesn't have an answer. Who does Moshe go to? He goes to God. He says, remember, Lama Harilta Lama 
He says, and from the time I went to you, take a look at the end of Parak, the end of Parak It's not on the source sheet, but I want you to take a look at it. Look in your Chumash at the end of Parak Moshe says, Lama Hariota, Lama Zev. It's right at the end of Parshat Shmot. Very end of Parak right. It says, from the time I went to Paro, Hera Lama things only got worse and you didn't save. You told me you're going to save your people and things got worse. What is this? The people get really angry. And, and the people tell Moshe Rabbeinu, you caused this problem with your crazy ideas. With, who, we didn't ask for, we asked for a lighter workload. You made things worse. Boy, they're angry. Listen to God's answer. It's the first line of Perak Vav, but it should be the last line of Perak, hey? What's God's answer to Moshe? Eh? He doesn't give him an answer. He says, you wait and see. Atatira, <laughs> what I'm going to do to Paro. Listen carefully to the Hebrew. You say, because what will happen? Read it for me. Who's the subject of that sentence? Paro. Says, when I'm finished with him, what are you going to see? Not only is he going to let you go, he's going to kick you out. Look in Rashi on the spot. We'll say that. You follow? This is another Now, um, the chapter divisions always mess up and things like this. No, but there's a little logic to it. The first time they fail, now we understand when, when God tells Moshe in Perak Zion, in Perak Vav, and says, go to Paro again. You know why he's reluctant? He says, the last time it went, things got worse. Nothing changed. Why should I go again? And, and no one listens to me. The Jewish people don't listen to me, and they don't listen to me. You understand why he's so reluctant? And God says, you've got to go. He says, i give you a helper. I want to come with you. Got it? Then every plague, how does every plague begin? Moshe goes to Paro and says what? Not let my people go, but send my people out. I don't need power to get permission for the Jews to serve their God. I need power to command the Egyptian people to kick the Jewish people out. To expel them to do what? To serve their God in the desert because it's in national Egyptian interest. What's our interest? To stop these plagues. What do I need to do? Plague by plague. Therefore, the first plague, Moshe goes to Paro and says, Shlach dami v'yabduni bamidbar. If not, I'll bring Dam. Remember, we're going to go in order. Um, the, the order of the plagues is the whole topic, but it's really neat what God does. From Remember, they threw our kids into the Yor. Remember, first it was Jewish blood in the river, now it's going to be um, the, the river itself will turn into blood, and they'll die from it. But uh, at the end of source B, you can do that for homework, every single time that Moshe warns Paro before a plague, what does he always say when there's a warning? He'll always say, What will he never say? He'll never say, let my people go. Despite all the movies, despite what everyone sings, you'll never find a plastic in the Chumash, let my people go, full stop. He'll okay? always say, send my people out to serve me in the desert. That's the command. And it's consistent. Now, I'm going to go over two examples of negotiations. There's negotiations every time. We're going to pick on three or four of them. And I want to try to understand, what are the negotiations about? Let's take the first one example and see. After four plagues, Paro's finally giving in. Now, Paro was not a member of B'nai Kiva. And when Paro says Ba'aretz, what's he referring to? <laughs> okay. And B'nai Kiva, what does Aretz mean? Where we are here. Paro doesn't, never heard of that. There was no snip, there was nothing there. Yeah. What does he mean Ba'aretz? As opposed to? It was Egypt as opposed to the desert. You want to serve your God? Okay. Your God is everywhere. He knows the song. And he says, go serve him here in the land. Now, Moshe needs an excuse now. Because he knows he can't say God is only in the desert. He's a God of everywhere. Moshe has a much better answer. What's Moshe saying? 
פוסק חפת, ואומר משה לא נכון לעשות כן, כי טובת מצרים נזבח להשם אלוקינו, הן נזבח את טובת מצרים לעיניהם ולא יזכולנו, דרך שלושת ימים נלך במדמר, ונזבח להשם אלוקינו. We'd love to do this in Egypt, but if we served our God in Egypt, what would they do? Oh, this would be, this, they'd, like, like in Egypt, they'd stone you. They'd, millions of people would be on the streets, throwing stones, havoc. It's not safe, we can't do it. You understand what he's saying? It sounds like an excuse, doesn't it? Now, before we leave Egypt, what do we do? Is that neat? We take an Egyptian god, right, in, in their face. But that's the whole topic of Korban uh, Pesach. Now, now, on the bottom of the page, I, this um, source is a little bit out of order, but I want to bring it down since we'll, I'll try to go order the source sheet. Um, the Eben Ezra asks a question about how does everyone keep the secret? Remember I asked you that question? How does everyone keep the secret? Um, now, before we read Eben Ezra, you tell me, why is Paul reluctant about them going out for three days? He's afraid they won't come back. Agreed? Now, that's what they all say. <laughs> I want to show you something different. And this is the second key point, which will explain the rest of the, the negotiations and the rest of the story. Paro is never worried about the Jews leaving. You know why? It's not on anyone's radar. Had Moshe gone to Paro and told him the truth, we're going to the promised land, he would have kicked him out of his office. Why? Not because he doesn't want to, because it's suicide. It's, ridic- it's not on anyone's radar. In the eyes of the Egyptians, the Ivrim this, uh, are part of Egypt. They're going nowhere. You know why? There's nowhere to go. Where can they go to? What are their options? Let's say they had freedom. Where would they go to? The Sinai Desert? You can't survive there. The Sahara Desert? Down to South Ethiopia? Where are they going to go to? Can they go to Canaan? A year, a year after all the miracles, the plagues, the miracles, everything in the desert, 10 of the 12 leaders of Israel say what? It's impossible. And even the other two say it's impossible without God's help. And they've been, they've been, no one knows about the plagues yet. Got the idea? There's nowhere for them to go to. Paro is never worried about the Jews leaving. And that's what confuses everybody. He's worried about one thing. From day one, he has one fear, which is totally logical. Okay? The first Sukim of Sefer Shemot. He's worried about an uprising. And he's made, he might be the 22nd dynasty. There's like some 30 dynasties. How come there's so many dynasties in Egypt? If you learn Egyptology. Because everyone wants to control Egypt, because Egypt has the Nile River. It's tremendous resource, for, especially for wheat and grain. It's a breadbasket of the Middle East. Egypt is a rich country, a wealthy country. Everyone wants to rule Egypt, especially the rulers. And therefore, they don't want someone stabbing them in the back. They're always worried about an uprising, and that happens all the time. How does the story begin? Now, is that an excuse or a reason? You can argue. How do they begin? Protocols of Zion. The Jews are trying to take over our country. Remember? They made us the bad ones. And their claim and the reason why they began the oppression is if we don't do this to them, they're going to overtake us. They'll start another intifada. They'll take over our country. Yeah. Okay. All the Parshim talk about that. There's like three, four different Pirushim. The standard one is, the easy reading is, uh, we have to enslave them because they might leave our land. But then... <laughs> If they're worried about them leaving the land, why enslave them? Let them go. If, if Paro's worried about them leaving, let them go. The problem is opposite. So one Pirush Rasha brings down, we're going to leave. Again, Lashon Nikia, we're going to leave. The, the more shot one is that um, 
Enemies from the outside are going to come in, and they're going to be the fifth column, if you know what the fifth column is. You know what the fifth column is? They're going to be the enemy. I'll give you a bad example from World War II. The, the Japanese will attack from Pearl Harbor, and the Japanese in America are going to come from the inside and take over. You follow? And therefore put them in detention camps. I think something like that happened. There's a worry about a fifth column. And therefore they're worried they're going to make connections with outside people, like the police team or something, or some sea people, which happened you know, several years later. And they're going to work together with them, and they're going to do a takeover. They're going to come from the inside. They're going to come from the outside, and we're finished. And therefore, we have to keep them under control, keep the numbers down. Now, if we're worried about an uprising, we, we don't want them to have soldiers. They can have bread. You know, they don't mind. We're going to kill the, the men because they can be soldiers. The women, you know, they can be, they're an asset to the Egyptian economy. The men are potential soldiers. Therefore, throw the, throw the male children into the river. Now, what I want to suggest is, Pio is never worried about them leaving. He's worried about them what? Coming back. But not coming back to slavery, but rather, either to take over, or even before that, maybe even declaring independence. What's stopping, once they're, once they're in slavery, what's stopping them from saying, I don't want to work anymore? What's stopping them? I don't want to work. Well, Egypt has an army. Do we have an army? We don't have arms. Egypt has an economy. We have nothing. We're getting... Servants pay. We're fourth class citizens. We're oppressed. We don't have the mind even for something like that. But there's always a danger. Maybe one day they're going to do an uprising. What's going to stop an uprising? Keep, ask any dictator. Ask your own government. What do you do? What do you do when you have thousands of people who don't want you? How do you control them? It's not easy. Yeah. What? <laughs> now, it's, 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 it's totally realistic what, what Paro's worried about. Now, um, so, the question Ebenezer brings up now is, what was Paro worried How could it be that Paro didn't find out? So he says as follows, V'da, ki davar gadohu, v'tzadikim gemurim hayu Yisrael. Isn't that great? He says, they were, you know what tzadik gomer is? They were tremendous tzadikim, why? Shilogi lo hasod. What's bothering Ebenezer? How could the Jews not, how could Paro not find out that the Jews are not planning on coming back? So he says, all the Jews knew, but they all kept the secret. Now, what did Paro think? Three days in the desert and we'll come back. He's not lying. It's a white lie. Moshe never says he's coming back. You follow? Ebenezer is worried about the, the realism. He's also worried about the ethical side. He says he didn't really lie. It's a white lie. But white lies are okay. Put our trust in God knows what he's doing. And then he gives another reason. There's why the need for the lie. He says, I need the Egyptians to be willing to lend us gold and silver. If they think we're coming back, they'll lend us. If they don't think we're coming back... If I need someone to... Have, if there's a great rabbi, he needs to have, someone's very ill, and there's a great rabbi, and he has the power to pray... To save to, for for Shlema. would you give him five bucks? You give him a hundred bucks. You you give him free vacation. You follow? You invite him to. But you he's follow? A great rabbi. I mean, the Egyptians are not friends of the Hebrews. But if they're convinced that these people have magic powers, can stop this? If they can stop the plagues, they'll do anything. It's life and death already. It took ten plagues. It took a lot of convincing. It wasn't overnight. But after ten plagues, they're convinced. So that that's what Ebenezer says. And the other thing, he wants the whole plan of Kriyat Yamsuf, which we'll get to later on. Now. Let's continue the negotiations. How are we doing time-wise? We have... I have no idea. 
Till what time is it over at? Two fifteen. Okay, have that one. Perfect. Now, um, let's continue the negotiations. After seven plagues, after seven plagues, Paro is not convinced yet, but his advisors they're convinced. Abde Paro, not his servants, they're his advisors here. It's not about us; it's talking about his cabinet. Beginning of Parshat Bo, Perak Yod Pasuk Zayin. By Mura Abde Paro, I love. Admatai Yezel Lanu Lemokesh. Who's that? How long are the Jewish people going to be in Mokesh? Nowadays is a mind, but a stumbling block. Shalachet um, Anashim, what's that mean? Send them out. Let them go serve their God. This is not the whole share. Paro's advisors, what are they convinced of? The reason for the plagues, it's been seven so far, is because the Jews are not serving their God. How come they reach that conclusion? Because before every plague, what does Moshe say? Shachtemi they're convinced and says, let them go. Let them go serve their God. So Moshe comes back. Uh, Paul says, okay, come back, go serve your God. I want a list. What's Moshe say? We're all going. The women, the children, the cattle, everything going. What's Paul say? He says, I know Jewish religion. Remember? Only men have to daven. Don't give me this women's tefillah stuff. It's not Rosh Chodesh. <laughs> what does he say? Paro says, remember the last line? Moshe says, we want everything. And Paro says, no. And he says, now, what's he worried about? If the men go and daven, what can't they do when they come back? If the women and children are there, they can't start a revolt. They, they have the women and children captive. Got that? And their cattle. That's their, so it's sort of like a, uh, what's it called, a collateral? Yeah. To make sure, now it makes sense. And now, if they're really serious about serving their God, then if Moshe was telling the truth, that'd be fine. And that, that's Paro's test, and therefore he kicks them out. Now, that was Plague 7. Plague 8 happens, another thing, but Plague 9 will pick up after Plague 9. Plague 9 is a lot of fun. <laughs> what was that? What was that? It was, uh, it was three days of Choshech. Remember three days of Choshech? Remember what happens after three days of Choshech? Paro comes in and says, yeah. Go. Remember after three? Remember there's three, there's three days of Choshech, and Bnei said, Orba Mitzrayim. Remember that in a minute. Now, source E, the end of Perek Yud, Pasach Avdalad, Vayikra Paro Moshe, Vayomer Luchu Yivdu Et Hashem, Rakhto Enchem Ukarchem Yutzag, Kamtabchem Yilechmachem. What's he giving now on? Take the women and children. What has to say behind? Leave your That was his big mistake. I'm just joking. And he said, take your cattle and leave the women behind. <laughs> Again, this, that was just a joke. Now, <laughs> No, seriously. What's he saying? Leave your cattle behind. Why? Okay, maybe that people don't like to give up. It's freedom or, or, or money. Remember, cattle is livestock. That's their... And, and again, if he's worried... Forget about the war. If he's worried about simply setting up, becoming independent, that's a problem. So at least something leave behind to show you're coming back. No. What? Remember, he doesn't want them to come back to show that you won't have a revolution. No, no. He, to sure, you're right. Okay, good point. <laughs> good point. To make sure you're not going to come back, for sure they're coming, expecting them to come back. But you won't come in a revolt. You'll come back and come back and work to get your cattle back. That's your collateral. Got the point? Leave something behind. What happens after that? Moshe says, "No, we have, remember the crazy excuse he gives. Remember what he says? Why do we have to bring our cattle? We don't know what God's going to ask for when we get there. And he might have to, we might have to be a Jewish lamb." Or a Jewish cow, and not an Egyptian cow. So even if you give us carbonate, it's not enough. Paro gets so angry, remember? He says, I want to see you again. 
And what's Moshe saying? You're ready, I'm not going to see you again? Now open up your Chumash. To Perik Yud. It's not on the source sheet. You didn't have room. Look at Perik Yud. Right after. Perik Yud Aleph. I'm sorry. At the end, at the end of Perik Yud, Perik Yud Aleph. Before Moshe continues his conversation, says, tonight at midnight, I'm going to come to Egypt. What does God tell Moshe? Remember, Moshe has his beeper. He doesn't know how many... The negotiations are going on for nine plagues. Moshe doesn't know there's ten plague coming up. What's God tell Moshe Rabbeinu? Oh, and what's it say next? And what will happen after this ninth plague? Read the whole thing. What's going to happen after this plague? He's not going to let you free. What's he going to do? He's going to kick you out. The words are right there, aren't they? He's going to kick you out. You know what Girush means? It means expulsion. That's what God wants Paro to do. We need to be expelled, and that's what God needs him to do. We wouldn't have, had we get, had Paro given us permission to leave? A thousand people, two thousand people would leave. I need everyone to leave overnight. I need Egypt to expel us. Not just Paro himself, I need the Egyptian people to expel us, to kick us out. And therefore what? And what's the next line in Pasuk, in Pasuk Bet? Tell B'nai Israel to do what? Remember to, to borrow. Take advantage. And I'll help out, I'll give Chain. By God they'll have Chain. He'll give Chain on the people to, I don't care, Chain is favor. Um, to give them, to lend them. Now, why would the Egyptian people be so willing to lend? If their life is on the line, and these people have to serve the God, but, I can't wear, I need new clothing, I need jewelry, nothing to wear, nothing, you follow? And they're willing to lend as much as they need. Now, um, now let's pick up the Exodus. Source F. Oh, one last thing I told you about three nights. This conversation happened after Hoshech. If I keep the Psukim in order, and when Moshe says in Pasuk Dalet, Moshe Pasek Dal is talking to Paro. That's Moshe's answer to Paro the night before Bakat Bechorot. What day are we? It's on Er Pesach. It's the 14th. So what, what were the three days of Hoshech? The 11th, 12th, and 13th. The 11th, 12th, and 13th. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a drash. According to Chumash. The last three days, there's three days, according to Chumash, there's three days of Hoshech. Um, okay, there's drashot that add days, but Chumash, there's three days of Hoshech. The last day of Choshech is the end of the negotiations. So therefore, Choshech last is the 11th and 12th of, 11th, 12th and 13th of Nisan. Moshe says that next day, And therefore, what was happening on the eve of the, like, on the 11th, 12th and 13th? Egypt was in Choshech and we had Or. When did we check our Chomets? Dafiomi. We just started, 20, 20 days ago. Or Labasar. Why do we call it Or? Of all things. Say, why use such a strange language? But that's the whole thing. It's there, there, they have Choshech, we have Or. But it's, it's right, we do it at the same time when Choshech, when Egypt was in Choshech and we had Or. It, it works out really nice. Now, let's continue with the, um, and, uh, already, now, now you understand why we had to take the Korban Pesach on the 10th to prepare. And Chumash is out of order again. Parakut Bet came earlier, but that's a whole, <laughs> that's too complicated. Now, let's get to the Exodus. Tenth plague, we heard about it. That God said He would. Have it in source F. Listen carefully. What's it mean? What? Now, what did the negotiations break down on last? On the cattle, right? Look at the next line. 
גם צונכם, גם רחם חור, כאשר דיברת בלכו, וברכתם גם אותי. Do we make anything up? It's all the פסוקים. Remember I asked you in the beginning of this year, after the 10th plague, what does Paro do? And almost all of you said, and then only half of you said, he said, get out of my country for good, don't come out again. Didn't most, don't most people think that after 10th plagues? There's no source for that. And it's black on white in Chumash, what it says. I just bring an example, people don't read it, that's all. You're still used to the movie that no one reads what's written inside. You can argue with me, Dershim, Sukim or Mufurash. And the story makes much more sense the way it is. Why does Paro only give them permission to serve their God? That's all they ask for. Agreed? And what's Ubraktam Gamoti? Remember? Mishabak Paro ben Paro ben Paro. He had a, I don't know his mother's name was. But make him Mishabak. What's Paro worried about? There's a good chance he's going to die. Especially after Makat Bechorot. Because the word, everyone's going to die now. And therefore, it's in the name of Egyptian security. What do we have to do? We have to allow the Jews, we, now we have to allow the Jews. We have to force the Jews to do what? To go serve the God in the desert. Now we're going to follow instructions. Whatever Moshe says. How did, how did he prove his point? We had our Dever, now we got our Cherev. Makat Bechorot was Cherev. And now he's convinced. People are dying, people do anything. Now, look what happens next. Pasek Lamed Gimel. Proves my point, I hope. See where it says, who's rushing whom? Yeah, under F. But techezak mitzrayim lamaher l'shacham min ha'aretz ki amru kulanu meitim. Perfect. Who's kicking us out? But techezak mitzrayim. Every neighbor. Who's eager for us to leave? We're not, are we in a rush? We got all day. We have all day. We're not rushing. We're not, who's rushing us out? Egypt. We are so rushed out that what do we do? What happens? You know the story about her. Okay? Right? Remember? We, we were rushed out. We didn't have time. Why couldn't we bake our bread? Not because I had a cube to make matzah. That didn't come yet. Why didn't we break our bread? They didn't let us. Get out of there. So, so we take the dough and run, don't we? We, we, we take the dough with us and we leave. Okay? Why didn't we what? You don't know Jewish history. <laughs> they were ready. They were ready, but who uh, said first of all they 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 prepared dough, didn't they? There's no freezers. They prepared dough, and they were what were they planning on doing? I've been meeting it. The men would go to shul early in the morning. The the uh, the challah would bake automatically with the machine, right? and when, and then later two hours into the morning they leave. Who's rushing? They made dough, didn't they? They were making dough for their travel, but they didn't bake it yet. They're planning to bake it in their ovens. But they're in such a rush to leave. Why? Because Egypt is rushing them out. We'll read the Pasuk in a minute, which you know by heart. Why are they leaving them? Why are they so eager to lend them? Remember, pshat, it means to lend. A, because they want them to serve their God with a good heart. God puts a little chain in them. And on top of that, they assume they're coming back. All three reasons is enough to lend them whatever they need. Um, by the way, at the bottom, I bring the pasuk about the Havani Chachmalo about the worry about the um, about the takeover. Now, at the seder when we eat matzah, did we lose a page here? No, we're good. Oh, yeah, page source G. We leave Egypt, don't we? Yeah. We leave Egypt. Um, remember at the seder we say matzah zuashuma. We point to the matzah. We're allowed to point to. That's okay. You can point to matzah. Um, and we say with Shuma, and we quote some Pasek. What Pasek do we quote? Something like that. So we'll read it now and see what it means. 
Pasuk Lamedzayin. Vaisubinei Selminam Seis Sukota. Oh, what day is that? We need to go a three-day distance, don't we? The Jews leave from Ramses, don't they? That's where they are. That's where we're building the pyramids. By Subhanis Ramses Sukkot, that's day one. With the army, Kishim Erlech Bachor, right? That's 600,000 men. You'll see why the military is important. And, and they, what do you call it? Um, um, they set up camp in Sukkot at the first day's distance. And what do they eat for breakfast? Hey, there's nothing to eat. Kids start complaining. What do they do? Oh, we have all that dough. Listen carefully. They had nothing else prepared because they were rushed out. But they were expelled from Egypt. They didn't leave Egypt. They were expelled. That's why they're in a rush. And therefore, what do they have? They only have dough and they have to cook it makeshift. Now, how come the Arab Rav is following them? I call it CNN. Hey, hey, hey. We're, we're not running away from Egypt. We're being pushed out of Egypt to do what? To serve our God. And that's where we're expected to go to. And Egypt is waiting eagerly for us to serve our God finally to stop the plagues that have been consistent. Okay? Wait. Doesn't Paro change his mind? Not yet. Yeah. yeah. But from what you remember, why does Paro change his mind? He wants his slaves back? What did you tell me? How can he change his mind? Because we didn't come back after three days? Who learned that? Who learned that he, he chases us because we don't come back after three days? No one learned that? You th- that's classic, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So let's read what Chumash says. Okay. Day two. Pasuk Yudzayin. Um, What's that mean? When Paro sent them out. Okay. The men, I'm sorry, the women, what did they borrow? I'll be mean again. Okay. What were they borrowing? Clothing. Jewelry. That's not good for men. What do the men want? They want arms. Okay? Now, why do we need arms? What's the excuse? We don't need an army. We need a police force. All these people going, you know the Oslo agreements? I need a police force. I don't need guns to go to war against you. I need, I need guns. I need policemen. All these people going to the desert? Maybe Amalek will attack us out there? Wild animals? We don't know. Maybe Abangas? So... The, Paro, the Egyptians are willing to give us arms to defend ourselves, not against them. They're not giving us tanks. They don't give us chariots, but they give us um, you know, clubs and things like that. And therefore, the men get armed from the Egyptians. Because we, how do we know? They come, they come armed. Yeah, um, minimal arms, but they're armed in a certain way. Now, Pasachaf, remember day two? Day one was what? Ramses to Sukkot. What's day two? Ba'isumi Sukkot, ba'ichnu beitam midbar. We go now from Sukkot to Etam. And where's Etam? On the edge of the desert. What's supposed to happen on day three? They're at Etam, at the edge of the desert. We need to go three-day distance into the desert. Why three-day distance? Because two days you're still in Egypt. A day's distance is about 30-some kilometers. If you know the uh, Spice Route, no Shifta and all those places, that's a day's walk. Pretty much from one place to another place. There's, if you know your, your negative Tulim. The, um, the same thing here. It's day three now. There's the edge of the desert. What should happen on day three? They should go from Etam to Harsinai, to the Midbar. To Har Elohim. They know, where that, they know where they're going to. That's where they said they're going to. And everyone is expecting them on day three to go into the desert. Got that? Including Moshe Rabbeinu, including Am Yisrael, including the Egyptians, including... Everyone's expecting them. And Moshe gets a beeper. Look what happens. Pasit Perak Okay, I'm sorry, Pasik Bet. I'm Perikudalit, Pasakalaf. By Dabrashem Moshe Lemor, that I call the beeper. 
A total surprise. Moshe never knew this was going to happen. What's God tell Moshe to tell B'nai Israel to do? Vayashuvu means to go back. To where? To Egypt. Don't go to the desert. We'll prove it in a minute. Go back towards Egypt. And he gives him Israeli instructions how to get there. Or where to go to. And when you get lost, ask somebody else. But he gives him very specific instructions where to set up camp. We'll see why these instructions are... That's the commandment that Moshe has to tell B'nai Yisrael. When B'nai Yisrael heard that commandment, what do they need to do? Turn around and go back to Egypt. They follow, follow the Anam, whatever they're doing. Now, Pasuk Gimel is confusing. Vamad Paro does not mean and Paro said. You know why? Because God is still talking to Moshe Rabbeinu and Paro doesn't hear this. What does Vamar Paro mean? So that Paro will say, who's talking to who in Pasuk Gimel? Hashem is talking to Moshe and explaining to Moshe Rabbeinu the strategy. Because Moshe, boy, is he confused. A whole year I've been warning Paro three days in the desert and now you're going to make me a liar? Moshe's totally confused. God says, here's what you do. Tell the people to turn around. Why? God has a plan. In order that Paro will say, about B'nai Yisrael, not to them, but about them, Nebuchim heim ba'aret, what's that mean? They're unsettled in the, ba'ar in the land. Sagalim ha'midbar. That passage is very confusing. But it's military. I'll explain it from West Point. These will be, in a minute you'll see, these will be military considerations that are going to cause Paro to attack right away. It's going to cause him to blitz. Now, from a military point of view, God tells Moshe Rabbeinu, set up camp in a place that is going to entice Paro to attack you right away. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to Ramses, I'm sorry. Go back towards Egypt, but set up a camp near the sea. In Egypt. Because how's Paro going to interpret this? If Amisro doesn't go on day three to the desert, instead goes back to Egypt, but doesn't come back to their homes, but does what? Sets up camp somewhere else in Egypt. What's it look like? For sure, it's a declaration of freedom. A revolt. And what aren't they doing? They're not serving their God. So what's the logical conclusion? They're not going to serve their God. They're not coming back to work. What are they doing? They're declaring independence. And what's going to be the next step? Revolt. What is, for the sake of national security, what does Paro need to do? He has to attack. Because if we don't attack them first, remember Atzat Achitofel? What was Atzat Achitofel? Who was Achitofel? Um, who was rebelling? His own son, Absalom, was rebelling. Yeah. And what did Achitofel say? Chase him right away before he organizes himself, before he gets organized. Hushai says, he's getting paid off. What's Hushai say? Take your time, he's up to something, you follow? Wait three days, and that costs him the rebellion, doesn't it? Achatatechitofel was right. In war, it's, the sooner you attack, the better. It's called a blitz. Before they organize, because the more time Egypt takes before they put down this revolt, they can set up a perimeter defense, they can train their soldiers. In the meantime, what are they? Nebuchim heim ba'aretz. You follow? Okay. On the first day, they're still unsettled. Nebuchim is for people unsettled, not people lost. If you were lost, you wouldn't. The book's not going to help you. Now, Nebuchim means unsettled. B'nai Yisrael. Paro is going to say about the B'nai Yisrael militarily, they're unsettled, means they're not settled down yet. They're closed in by the desert, and therefore I can come with the blitz, and they're finished. The backs are to the sea. They, they can't defend themselves, and I can wipe them out in a minute. Remember, we have big numbers, but they got chariots. And it works. Aren't we scared stiff? We'll see how scared we get in a minute. Now, take a look what happens next. 
Then God continues to talk to Moshe and says, what's the reason for all this? By doing this, this is going to cause Paro again to change his mind. Remember, every time Paro changes his mind, there's always a reason for it. This will be the trigger to get him to make his own mistake. Okay? And this is going to, Paro is going to get all messed up with his, with his, uh, with his army. And by doing this, Egypt will also know that I'm God. This will be what's called Makabapatish. This is going to finish him off. What's Vayasuchein mean? Who did what? No, Vayasuchein. The narrative began, God gives Moshe the reason. What did B'nai Yisrael do? Moshe tells B'nai to turn around. And what do the people do? They listen. And they go back to Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> Later they stop listening. Okay. Pasake, without this, I don't think there's any way to understand it. Look at Pasake. Paro was told that the people did what? From where? How did you think? How did you understand this Pasake till now? Paro, he found out the Jews ran away from Egypt. Oh, come on. Did he set them free? Yeah. The Pasake makes no sense the way it's in the Hollywood version. But what's it mean now? What was Paro told? They ran away from where? They didn't run away from Egypt. Finish the Pusik. They ran away from the wilderness from where they were supposed to They ran away from slavery. Read the Pusik. Right? We thought we sent them out to do what? To serve their God. Instead, <laughs> they pulled a fast one on us. What did they do? We just set them free. Now, why, why are they free now? What stopped them from declaring freedom till now? They didn't have arms. They didn't have... Right? Now, they got all gold and silver. They have everything to start their own economy. They're missing nothing now. They're armed. They're set up. They can declare independence. But Paul, what did we just do? We just sent our slave labor. We sent them free with no gain of our own. They're not serving their God. Maybe there's some other reason why all these plagues happened. Some other God, maybe. Maybe it was Balsaphon behind these things. And Paul is convinced now that what? We've been duped. And wasn't he worried about that from day one? That was his worry. That's why he was reluctant to let them go. He was never worried about them going and not coming back. That's not on his radar. He's worried about them letting them go and not coming back to slavery and staying in Egypt and possibly later on taking over. And therefore, what does he do? Remember? What did they say? Paul was told that what? They're not going to the desert. Paul chases them because they do come back. Not because they don't come back. Isn't that what Chumash says? That's what it says. Paul doesn't chase them because they don't come back. Paul chases them because they do come back before they go to the desert. Some people say because they're not bringing the korban. I don't think he's that from. <laughs> he thinks we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been tricked by the Jewish people. Now, um, what's Paul do? He takes his men with him, and what does he do? He takes his, he takes, and he chases after Ben Israel. Why? Because what's he sure of? He's sure they're going to rebel. It's only a matter of time. And that explains why Paul declares war. What day did it happen? Two days, we don't know how many days later it took. It might have been two days, three days. We know how far of a distance they went. It could have taken two days, every, every day's distance. So could it, remember, this sort of ruins the drush on Shri Shapesach. <laughs> but remember, Shri Shapesach was commanded before we left Egypt. That's not a problem. Even without this, is the reason for Shri Shapesach. And thematically, Kriyat Yamsum, Shri Shapesach works out beautifully. But the dates, it's not, it's, Shri Shapesach is it only because of Kriyat Yamsum. That's, that's a, it's an add-on. It's a byproduct. Now, let's summarize and try to show you what we did. Do you understand what happens now at the end? 
Um, one thing we should remember, if, if my, um, let me summarize the key points, and then um, I'll go back and apply it to the Seder. Um, firstly, what happened? Egypt loses the war, God intervened. Um, and then, now, how about, how about the, taking the spoils? How come we're allowed now to take what we borrowed? What? We borrowed all these goods. What allows us to keep it after Kriyat Yamsuf? Okay. But that, that could be an ethical reason. This is nice. But there's laws of war. When we left Egypt, did we declare war? We're on a, we're going to serve our God. Who declared war? Now, when one nation declares war against another nation, what happens to the assets? You're going to go give it back to them? They, they wanted to kill us. Maybe, maybe later, Jews do that. But they wanted to kill us. They go attack us. We win the war and give things back. <laughs> we do it. <laughs> Something right wing finally. Okay. <laughs> now. Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. Now. Now, what are we doing now? We won the war. Why should we give anything back? First, who are we going to give it back to? Number one. But they went to war against us. Their, their assets are frozen. Now, ethically, we call it back pay. That's God behind that. But legally, there's no need to return it. And there's no one to return it to. Remember, they tried to kill us in war. Now, what, what did God do behind this? God's behind the scenes. He's the head coach behind the head coach. But what did God do? Does Moshe, who took us out of Egypt? It looks to the people like Moshe. We know, thanks to Chumash, we know God's behind it. But bottom line, who was God's agent to kick us out of, to get us out of Egypt? Paro. And what did Paro use to get us out of Egypt? A Yad Remember? But Mitzrayim. We needed, God needed the Egyptian people to kick us out overnight. Not just Paro's decree. Every single Egyptian, or every single Egyptian official, it was Egyptian official policy the Jews have to get out of our country to serve their God. Otherwise we're dead. And they helped us along. Without that, who knows if we would have left? Or if everyone would have left. Now, as soon as things go bad, even before that, what did the Jewish people in the desert want to do? You understand why? They can be the 21st dynasty. Remember, what could have we done after Kriyat Yamsuf? The Egyptian army's finished. What could we have done? We could have, we could have taken over. What did we do instead? Remember, Zechati Lachesed Yorach? Who wrote, who said that? Remember, Yemriel? Zechati Lachesed Yorach, Havat Lulatayach, Lechtech Achrei Bamidbar Beretz Lozorah. To leave the, the chance of being the 21st dynasty in Egypt and following God blindly into a desert, only someone young and in love would do something so stupid. You follow? <laughs> That's what Yemriel compares it to. Now, um, so what else? We're claiming that all the times we, want, that, that we claimed we want to go back to Mitzrayim. The first year, we can go back and take over. Or cut right. a deal or something. Not to be slaves. And number two, one second. Um, what else did God fulfill? How is God going to get Ruchush Gadol? He could do a miracle. But this is miracle enough, I think. <laughs> what does God do? Okay. God, there's a beautiful Midrash. Avram Avinu complains to Kodesh Baruch before the Exodus. You were so machpid on Ba'avdu Vinu Remember Ben of Tarim? God told Avram they're going to be afflicted in someone else's land. You were so machmer on what? On their affliction. I want you to be just as machmer on, machmer means um, strict or thing, on Ruchush So God has to give them Ruchush Where are we going to get money to build a, not the Nego, to build a Mishkan from? If we're going to become a nation in the land, we need assets. We need Sona Bakar. We need cattle. We need, we need all that. We take that with us, don't we? We need some, and we need to be wowed by God. Now the main thing we go, once the people understand this, they're, oh, they're ready for Har, they're on the way to Harsinai. It'll, it'll get them excited about Harsinai, but it'll get them on the way.
Did anyone lie? No. Could Moshe have told the truth? The truth would not have made any sense. The real truth. He, had Moshe gone to power and said the truth, it wouldn't have made sense to anybody. Now, God has a master plan. Does Moshe know the master plan? Not to the very end. God takes us out of Egypt when you read Chumash. If you just follow the events, it looks like the Egyptians kicked us out. We don't know who's God's behind that. Chumash tells us who's, who's behind the plagues, etc. Now, um, what we see from here, though, if my sense is correct, that the Jewish people aren't really ready to leave Egypt. Which makes sense. It's not something bad about them. Remember, Moshe, The first redemption, we're not ready. What does God do next to get us ready? Before we leave Egypt, what's the first step? He's going to give us Korban Pesach. We get some little practice. Practice doing what? We're going to practice bringing Korbanot. I mean, serving God, following mitzvot. Okay. After Kriyat Yamsuf, we're going to get some more practice with the, uh, with the, with the man. We're going to get some, another while with the Amalek story. We get the Mara story. And then we get to Har Sinai. Are you, now are you willing to follow me? But all through the desert, the first generation isn't really, they weren't so anticipating and ready to become a nation representing God. They're willing to have a lighter workload to go to a land flowing of milk and honey, but understand why it's not on the radar? Moshe Rabbeinu, that's his last name, tries to be an educator to teach them, but it fails. Now, it, can be, it could be he's a bad teacher, it could be bad students. You know, ask your kids. They're... <laughs> And there's some incompatibility between Moshe and that generation, but that's a whole, whole long story. It's almost a tragedy that has to happen. It's going to take another generation to the ready. It could have been the first generation with really good, had the people been really up to it. But people were people, and you know, miracles last about a day. Remember what we do with uh, Yom Kippur? We talk about Elio's miracle in Har Carmel. Remember Hashem Elohim? Great. But how long did that last? That's the day. That's why we do that minhag. That's how long Yom Kippur lasts. <laughs> no. Um, now, how do we, one, one thing to remember this when you eat matzah. When we eat matzah, what do we need to remember? Do we need to remember that what? Remember? When we eat matzah, what are we supposed to remember? Matzah zoshuma, we need to remember that we, that we were expelled from Egypt. Now, it could be we're supposed to remember the miracles that God did for us, which is nice, which is important. It could be we need to remember that the first time around, we had to be chased out. That we weren't ready for redemption. And what do we need to do instead when we remember these events? We need to remember that throughout Jewish history, there's, redemption is an ongoing process. But we have, it's a two-way street. And we have to be ready for redemption. And when you understand that background, eating matzah is not just to remember, oh, how great miracles God did for us, but how the first generation failed because we weren't ready for redemption. Because the, the fact that we had to be thrown out of Egypt, and the fact we weren't ready, the fact for the first redemption we weren't ready, it's understandable, but it's not enough for our generation that didn't do all that suffering, who had all the background to learn from, and therefore eating matzah, in fact, I think there's a Jewish custom that we spend more time getting ready for Pesach than Pesach, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that physical preparation for Pesach has to match a internal, uh, a spiritual rep- preparation for Pesach. So that background helps us appreciate what we think about when we eat matzah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.